Welcome to Tricky Fish, a conversation between a millennial daughter and her Gen X dad. Here's your hosts, Rhiannon and Ian. So I had a realization about love that I thought I could share with the internet, even though I'm not a love expert by any means, but. I'm certainly not a love expert either, but hopefully this will help somebody. Yeah. So I have to give a lot of context first. Yesterday was my boyfriend's, his name is Gus. Uh, He passed away April 1st of this year with liver failure, I believe. And his birthday was this last Thursday on the 27th of May. And then yesterday on Friday, we had a like memorial concert for him. Right. And I've always been a very introspective person, but especially with this, I just, I, was comparing my experience of losing a loved one where I learned a lesson from losing someone before of like how I want to love people more efficiently and more thoroughly, you know? Right. So I'm comparing the situation of what I felt like when I lost Walker. He was my best friend's little brother. He passed away when he was 15 and we were 18, had just graduated high school kind of thing. Right. And with that situation, I was full of regret and so many things that I wish I could have done differently or thoughts that I could have stopped or changed anything. And with the Gus situation, I don't have any of that. I don't think I could have loved him any better than I did or there's nothing that I wish I'd done that I didn't or vice versa things I did that I wish I hadn't like I I, for all intents and purposes I air quotes did everything right this time and while I'm grateful for that it doesn't make the pain any easier to deal with well when you love and care for somebody deeply I don't think it matters how the person passes away because the person has passed away yeah so I don't think there's a right or wrong way? Well, I just had this expectation that if I, for example, with Walker, because we were so close in age, I didn't want to overstep any kind of boundaries. So we don't have any photos together, even though I was basically adopted by this family and was there all the time over at their house. And I still don't have any photos with him at all. And I never gave him hugs. I never told him how much I loved him because again, I didn't want to make anyone uncomfortable because... I'm a teenage girl. He's a teenage boy. I just didn't want to risk losing the family by having any kind of weird relationship with him. And so because of that... Wait, just for giving a regular hug? He was 15. I was 18. You know, teenagers are weird. I'm Demi, so I personally don't feel romantic or sexual attraction to anyone until I get to know them first. Mm -hmm. But I realize most people are not like that, and most people only talk to another human if they are interested in a relationship. Which I feel is kind of a bad way to go about it. You should just be able to talk to somebody without it having to necessarily mean that you're wanting to date or... I agree, but... Smash or whatever. Realizing that that is the way most people work, I just... Don't even get near those lines. And, right, I feel you. And also it was because he was younger than me too. So at a certain point, I was worried that he was going to like have a crush on me and something could happen. I don't know. Teenager Ian and just really needed to get her shit together. But <laughs> in this, I still like the grief didn't really change at all, despite the fact that I did everything that I would have liked to have done with how I handled our relationship. But the thing that originally made me want to bring this up in the first place was he and I started talking online in like October, November of 2019. Mm -hmm. And I had been kind of creeping on his dating profile for months. 
And every time that I looked at that, I like saw his picture come up in my feed. I was like, oh, he's way too cute. He was way too interesting. There's no way he'd be interested in me. So not just men stock. <laughs> yeah, no, women do too. <laughs> All genders, man. It's a human oh, sure. thing. <laughs> but months go by that I am just creeping at him through the internet and I'm thinking he's too good for me. And then one day I finally click on his profile and I remember you asked me if he had a way of knowing. Yeah. Um, if you look at the photo in the feed, there's no notification. But if you click on the profile, then a notification comes through that so-and-so has viewed you. And one day I accidentally clicked on his profile. So he got the alert and then he messaged me like 10 so, minutes later. Real quick, what app was this through? I I don't know if I'm ready to talk about this facet of myself yet. <laughs> okay, that's fair. We can just leave it. You can tell me later. Yeah, I'll tell you later. Okay. I'm just not ready to talk about it on the internet. Gotcha. <laughs> but it was it was just a dating site. Like I didn't pay any memberships or anything for it. And he got the notification. He messaged me so fast and was like, hey, it was very straight to the point, too. It was like, hey, you seem like my type. I would like to get to know you. Here's my number. Let's talk if you're interested. And so we started texting. And lo and behold, I find out that he I'm almost apologizing for looking alternative because on dating sites, I was noticing that there weren't really other people that looked like me. And so I, I wasn't really expecting. Well, that's like, good because then that means there's no clones. Well, yeah, but if if you're on a dating site looking for a Barbie doll and then this goth weirdo just shows up in your feed, that's very clearly not what you're looking for, you know? You want to know something that's funny about that? So I don't particularly really do dating apps because I prefer to meet people where I'm at. Mm -hmm. But I do occasionally look through the dating apps. Mostly it's because... The dating apps have sent me some alert on my phone, and then it was like, oh, that's right, I have dating apps <laughs> on my phone. Uh, let's go look and see what they're recommending. Yeah. And it's funny because the mm -hmm. the Barbie doll-looking types. Which, no offense to them. That's no offense to them. That's totally my type. I love feminine energy. Like, that, like no dissing whatsoever. I think you can, be you can have feminine energy regardless. I don't think you have to necessarily be the Barbie doll archetype well, for yeah. it to be feminine but those are the ones i usually swipe left or whatever the one that's like no i'm not interested mm -hmm. i don't know which way to which swipe yeah. so i'm sure i've probably swiped yes on things i should have swiped no on and swiped no on things i probably should have swiped yes on but i tend to look for okay so nothing against the barbie doll archetype like mm -hmm. if that makes you happy you do you boo whatever makes your okay you know, whatever helps you live your best life. Those are not the people I'm attracted to. Mm -hmm. Partly because in my experience, those people are generally not fun people. Like it's, <laughs> uh, no, I should take that back. It's not that they're not fun, but they're, he, what they would more than likely find funny. You're just incompatible. You're just I, yeah, I don't feel like I would wrong. be yeah. compatible with my dark humor. Yeah. Which is a total judgment thing, by the way. Because I could totally be swiping yes on the type of people I feel would get my sense of humor. And it turned out that they're like, yeah. did they just That's hate why my I sense hate of humor? Sites. <laughs> yeah, it's just like here. It's <laughs> I've, I've given up on all of them. I've deleted all my accounts and uninstalled everything. I've just given up. But I definitely um, think we should do an episode on dating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> apps and stuff. Just because I feel like there's like an entertaining conversation to be had. And yeah. I don't want to take this too far from what we were originally talking about Yeah, because I feel this is important. And I'm sure I that there are people that. who will listen to this episode, whether the day it comes out or whether six months from now or whatever, that maybe they're grieving. Mm -hmm. 
and maybe this is just something that they hear and they feel a little less that's the goal awkward or a little less yeah they they hurt a little less or whatever to know that there's people out there that have gone through the same thing so we'll just not talk about that but we'll come back, come back yeah. in a different episode <laughs> So, um, where was I? So you were clicking on. Oh yeah, and now I remember. Gus okay. got the alert saying. Yeah, so he messaged me. You were we stalking start texting, him. And I, I never know because I, I definitely have a taste in older men. I just, I can't help myself. But that being said, I don't know what texting etiquette is like for older so men because men my age. Do I you have 20s. daddy issues? I mean, we've talked like this whole podcast is gone. <laughs> <laughs> but I've addressed a lot of them. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Here we are. We're working on a on side it. note. Growing up and hearing like, oh, well, they have daddy issues. I never really understood it. Then I got a little older, began to understand it. Because you have your own daddy issues. Well, yes, but. <laughs> At the time that I started really understanding what it meant to have daddy issues, I didn't have kids at the time. So I was like, I'm never going to do that to my kids. Yeah. And uh, life had other plans. Apparently. <laughs> so I, I, mean, I apologize. It, Probably won't be the last time. You live and you learn. True. Here we are. But we're getting distracted again. Yes. So I didn't know what texting etiquette was like. So I'm just trying to match his energy, which is kind of been my go-to thing i just match how people approach me and call it good it's funny that you say that because you are so into like the texting and the social media whereas like i'm not so it seems like out of the two of us you would have a better chance with that than me i feel like out of the two of us maybe but i am not that big into social media (laughs) (laughs) like i get I get weird headspaces where I just kind of spiral. I'm like, I'm going to delete everything about me on the internet. <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's your mania talking ring, and we're not going to do that. <laughs> so, right. I don't know. I, I have a love-hate relationship with the internet. But most importantly, getting back to this. So originally with Gus, we started talking in October and November, but because of Paul's custody agreements with his three children and his two exes that he has kids with right holidays so from no- his baby October, mamas because like there's halloween november chris or not november halloween thanksgiving christmas new year's three of our four children's birthdays are the first week of january and right. then my birthday is in the end of january so for the mid-october to mid-january i am so busy so like i'm just driving everywhere worrying about parties and holidays and like making sure grandparents get to see the grandbabies all that junk right so at that time in 2019 that was before covid had started and things were still normal so at that point we were like texting casually but i made it clear i'm not available until after these birthday parties are over so we can talk but i'm not available until january and he's like that's fine so just check in with me periodically and we can just meet in january so at this point we had technically known each other since like November, I could have known him sooner. Like if, if it was simply just me coming up in his feed and him seeing my page, if right. I had just clicked on his profile in any time in those like months before I could have met him sooner. Is that something you regret? Yes and no. I'll come back to that. Okay. So what got the holiday season over with, I came up to Seattle is where he lived and met up with him the second weekend of January. And 
because I was driving from several hours away, my original plan was to come up for the day and then like drive back home after our date was over. Right. But then he offered to get me a hotel room so that if I didn't feel comfortable, if I wanted my own space, et cetera, et cetera, then I had somewhere to go and I didn't have to rely on him, but I also didn't have to worry about like driving home. It's pretty sweet actually. Yeah. He's an incredible man. And then shortly after I... Went to Vegas for my birthday with my now ex-girlfriend. And shortly after that, I lost my job at the growery. And then right after that, I started my job at Starbucks. And because of Gus, I was able to move up to where we are now, which is much closer to him and also like several other people. Right. And so like so many things in my life were only able to fall into place because I met him in, at that exact time. So while, yes, I part of me wishes that I had just not been a coward and that I had reached out sooner because then I would have had a little bit longer mm-hmm. that I could have loved him. But, and this is the point of today's episode, is I was talking to somebody else about it and knowing what I know now, if I had a choice between never reaching out to him at all, never meeting him, and completely avoiding this pain and heartache and sadness and all all of this stuff that is like really hard for me to deal with. If I could choose between avoiding all of it by never meeting him or the path that I took, I would still choose the path that I took because this pain and bullshit is worth all the good things that I had with him. And when I had that realization, I was talking to a friend of mine who said that he was jealous because he's never experienced a love that he felt was worth losing. I have never experienced that either, so I feel him. And that's why I wanted to bring this up, because Gus is the kind of person that will help anyone regardless. Like, you reach out, you ask, hey, I need this, boom. He's there helping. He's finding a way to be helpful. He's always connecting people in all these different industries to helping, like, network and stuff like that. And something he used to do all the time is, uh, because words of affirmation are a thing for me, I would say, like, thank you so much for doing this for me. Thank you so much for blah, blah, blah. And he would look at me and be like, kitten, what's the point of having a kitten if you're not going to pamper her? That's a good point. That was his pet name. He was my tiger because, you know, he had tiger tattoos and a cat paw on his hand. And he really loved cats. So it was very obvious, very stereotypical. But I was kidding. (laughs) And, like, I'm not mad about it at all. But but he would say things like that to me. And every time he said things like that, I'd be like, but I don't feel like I deserve this. I feel like you're just, you're being too kind to me. I feel like you're, like, I've tricked you somehow or something came up. And I always didn't believe that I was worthy of the relationship that he was giving me. Right. And I feel like that's our biggest hang up because I would ask him all the time, are you sure you're happy with me? Are you sure there's nothing I can do for you? Are you sure that like we're okay, we're solid all the time? And he would be like, you don't have to thank me for loving you. I'm just treating you the way that you should be treated. But for so much of our relationship, I didn't think I deserved it. So the thing I do regret is that I argued with him so much and not an argue of like angry. It was a, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure though? Like for real? Like I know you've reassured me 20 times, but are you certain about this? And he never once got upset with me or anything. He would just constantly pour love into me. And because I had a situation where like one time I came over and I was a shake, literally a shaking mess with anxiety Mm -hmm. and I hate money. I have grown up poor. Money gives me like stress. 
And I came to him one day because, you know, COVID, all of our hours had gotten cut and I was right. having a hard time paying rent. And so I'm like stressing out because I'm about to ask my boyfriend for money to pay rent. And he like puts his arm around me and he's like, we can take as long as you need to talk about this, whatever it is. I'm not doing anything else. I'm right here for you. He gave me his undivided attention. He was supportive, only ever came it with me with like compassion and patience and understanding. And younger Rhiannon would have self-sabotaged. What do you mean? Like the fact that I, it took me months before I accidentally clicked on his profile. Mm -hmm. I didn't even read his profile. Just looking at him, I was like, eh, he's too good for me. He would never be interested in me. I was exactly his type. Wait, wait, wait. So two things I want to address about that's so the first thing is just real quick so when you're looking at his dating profile you are just looking at pictures you're not reading the profile at all so like you know when you're on when you're scrolling and you can just scroll through and it has like a feed of photos and then you can click on the photo to pull up the profile and like read through it sure that was kind of what i was doing as i was just going through being like eh, i'm not really interested in this body type or what have you and oh, shallow as a mofo yeah well <laughs> That's the other thing, too, is my idea with polyamory, which may be garbage, and I'm so sorry if this is if the polyamory community hates me for it, but with my mentality is with polyamory, you have more options, yes, but you have to be extremely selective because you have all these options. So if you're going to invest time and energy into a new partner, they should be specifically what you're looking for, not just, eh, good enough. Okay, so well, I think there's no one way to... Well, here's the thing. Practice poly. As long as you're being ethical about it, yeah. you're doing it right. But a lot of the people I was seeing were just outside of my age, preferred age bracket. So that automatically, I was like, I'm just not doing that. And then I hate it. I can't change it. Gus was literally an inch shorter than me. And that is the shortest I can possibly do because I'm so tall and sex is made weird with people that are shorter than me, unless they're female or like female anatomy frame kind of thing like petite you either have to be smaller than me or bigger than me i cannot be comfortable with someone that's the same height as me and so that was the other thing too you would think that would make it easier the same height height, yeah Mm, no because like leverage and momentum and things like that and depending on what positions you're getting into sorry everyone my phone just started ringing i didn't know the volume was on as someone who's tall and has dated and had Sexy fun times with short people. I love short people. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, because it's the but height difference. It, it makes is it easier. It does make it no. It actually makes it a little bit harder in some instances. I don't want to get yeah explicit, but I don't know. I just found that regardless of height, if you're wanting to, you know, <laughs> if you want to do the thing, you'll do. If the you're thing. wanting to do the thing, you'll figure you'll yeah. figure out a way. Well, but again. I was looking at it as if I'm going to find another partner, I'm allowed to be a little bit particular and selective because I already have one. I think it's okay to have preferences as long as when you're exercising the preferences, you're not being cruel about it. Yeah. There's certain people I won't date. But hold on. We'll come back to this because that actually rewrites to what I was trying to say, though, is I, for months, I just assumed that I wasn't what he was looking for or that for whatever reason... I wasn't going to be like, it was all me. 100%. It was, I don't think I'm good enough for this man. I don't think I'm smart or clever or pretty or gothy enough or what have you. Because because, he doesn't even know you exist at this point. Yeah. And then once I looked through his page, I was like, oh, hell no. I sure as fuck am like not in this man's realm in any way. And then he ended up messaging me. And so the whole time. After he sees that you 
Yeah. Okay. And so, like, so the, once I'm like reading through his page, I'm like, oh my god, he's so sweet and funny and clever and witty, and I just would love to talk to him. And he's super cute and loves cats. I'm like, where? How can I go wrong? But again, I was like, I don't think I'm cool enough for this. Gotcha. It turns out he thought otherwise, obviously, and he invested the last year and a half of his life into loving me in addition to everything else he was doing. And I was thinking about it and like, well, yes, I kind of kick myself now because I wish I had, could have gotten those extra few months with him. And I almost wonder what my life would have looked like if I had met him in the summer of 2019 versus the winter of 2020. Mm-hmm. So part of me is like, yeah, that really fucking sucks. And I, and like, I don't like that. But the other part of me though, is if I had to choose I'm grateful I got to know him at all. But the difference between those two outcomes was I didn't believe I was worthy of it. Well, first off, somebody told me something a long time ago that they believe that people come into our lives and they're in our lives for as long as they need to be. And sometimes that reason is because you're meant to learn something from them, or maybe you're meant to teach them something. Mm -hmm. And that however long you and the other person are together in this life, that's how long you're supposed to yeah, to be. like just trusting your divine timing kind of thing. Right. And that we have the problems that we have are when we try to hold on longer mm-hmm. than they're meant to be there. And so that's something that's always kind of been in the back of my mind. And it's just something I try to keep in mind. And it feels like while you can say that, yes, you should have been a little less stalkerish and a little <laughs> bit more communicative, if you go by what I just was saying, then you and Gus were not meant to be in each other's life until that happened. Yeah. So it's easy for you to like look at what, you know, the, the months of stalking <laughs> that you did. It was not stalking. It was just fondly looking at his <laughs> display photo in the feed on a dating site and just being like, wow, I wish I could make out with this guy. Whatever helps you sleep at night. <laughs> so when you're stalking this guy. <laughs> no. So, no, at the time that you're doing this, like, if what I was told was true, then even though you're sitting there looking at it and go, oh, I'm not this guy's type, he would never like me or whatever. Maybe at that point, even if you had just tossed it out there, made yourself known, messaged him, mm-hmm. you may not have gotten together until later. Or you may have gotten together and it just would have been a bad time in his life or your yeah. life that would have... I mean, he did have a girlfriend that he met through the same site that I'm told was... I don't think she'll ever listen to this. I don't, I can't imagine this person would ever listen to this. And I myself am only paraphrasing. I I have no personal opinion, but I'm told that she was a terrible person and kind of crazy. And she had a small dog and. Well, there it is right there. Yeah. Like if you own a small dog, you're crazy. I I mean, he said it. There's a lot of people that are going to be angry that (laughs) I'm not crazy. And I own several small dogs. I mean, that kind of would prove my point, but. Um, during the months that I was creeping on him, he was dating this other girl who was taking up his time and energy and was mm-hmm. very, I, I've heard from several different sources, was just not a good match. They were not good together. Sure. So you're right. At that point in time, like in those few months, he was already distracted with another person. So it's possible. But the reason I wanted to bring this up to really emphasize the point, though, is that I could have easily missed it if I didn't believe I was worthy of having that kind of connection. And that's what I think keeps happening where with you, 
the other friend I was talking to last night with a lot of people, they, they asked like, what's so unlovable about me? What's so wrong about me? Why haven't I felt this love that other people talk about in movies and books? And I'm like, it wasn't like a storybook situation, but I felt that love and I accepted it instead of constantly rejecting it and being like, I'm unworthy of this love and attention. Right. I mean, Cause that's what we all do. Well, so the second thing that I was going to bring up was because you're talking about the not feeling worthy, not, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. That is something that echoes my trajectory when I was younger and dating was there was a lot of that. Are you sure? Why are you dating me? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you find attractive? Needing that validation. And that's a that's a trauma response. And it's actually a generational trauma response because I had all the crap that was thrown on me growing mm-hmm. up that led to that. Then of course I'm broken and don't realize it. I don't want anybody to listen to this. And if you have like mental health issues or whatever, I don't want you to go away from this thinking you're broken. It's just, you have additional difficulties that you have to deal with in living your life. That weren't your fault. Right. Like that's the big thing is with depression and, and yeah, mental or disorders. It's always what's wrong with me. No, honey, there, there could be chemical imbalances. I will absolutely give you that. But right. The but trauma in our case, given to you is not your fault. Right. But in our case, as we've talked about outside of the, Mm. the podcast is for me the long time of not having that even though I was going to therapist I never had it diagnosed Mm -hmm. so here I am I'm living with this and trying to cope and do whatever but I'm also trying to be a father so my messing you up is (laughs) uh was never intentional Mm -hmm. like I wanted to be the better father I wanted to you know give you a childhood I never had but because I was fighting demons that I wasn't even aware were there, it mm-hmm. just made it more difficult. So just something to keep in mind that if you have this in your family, there's a good chance you don't have a good relationship with your parents because, well, yes, your parents might have messed up and they need to own it. There could be things there that made it difficult for them to be a better parent. But anyway, going back to this. So you come into this with this generational trauma of not feeling good enough, not mm-hmm. feeling loved enough. So you have that trauma. So at the time, he's dating... Somebody else. I don't even know what her name is. I'll call her Miss Incompatible. Because <laughs> we don't know that she's actually crazy or whatever. Yeah. A lot of these things when we... Secondhand talk, stories. It is secondhand stories. But what I'm saying is like in a lot of cases with relationships, I know a lot of my relationships were not the best because, again... I had mental illnesses that had not been diagnosed. That Mm -hmm. was certainly informing my own behaviors. There was also the fact that I wasn't setting proper boundaries. Yeah. That fed to it. So I don't necessarily want to say the people that I've dated are crazy. And it always makes me cringe when I hear like, oh, yeah, I had the crazy Mm ex-girlfriend. You know, she may actually be, she could be be a bad person, but she could have also had her own things and maybe the two of you dealing with that just weren't didn't compatible. weren't compatible. Yeah. And it was like what we were talking about in the other love language episode, that it just could be the love languages. Just you're mm-hmm. speaking one love language, the other person speaking another love language, and you never figured it out. Yep. And so you have those those interfering. So I would And that really comes down to just having the language because with mental illnesses, for example, like you knew you had depression. If you have depression, you know you have depression. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just might not know the name for it is depression or right. that executive dysfunction is a term for one of the symptoms. Like if you're not aware and educated 
on the language around that situation, it makes it even harder to try to address because then you don't know what you're fighting. Exactly. But I actually, I made a TikTok about the next point I'm going to make. I don't even remember how long ago now. But essentially it came up with somebody asking like angrily about from the self-love community, how we can say the saying, no one will love you until you love yourself. And then like the rest of the TikTok, which justifiably that saying is garbage. I will put that out there, that no one will love you until you learn to love yourself. I feel like that is true, that that's a garbage saying. I just want to ask why you feel it's a garbage saying. Because for one, self-love is really fucking hard. It's really hard Mm -hmm. because part of self-love is looking at all the flaws and things that you have with a realistic lens and accepting them. And that's really, really difficult to do. And I feel like setting the expectation that you're only worthy of love from another person after you've done all this intense shadow work, intense like healing mentally with a therapist, maybe like you're worthy of love, even if that is still in progress. Now, the TikTok that I made was explaining the sentiment itself is garbage, but I understand why it's a thing that people say. Because until I learned to love myself better, and I'm going to use Gus as a perfect example because he single-handedly came into my life and changed so many things just by being an example of healthy communication, honest and open communication, and like just learning how to do these things from a partner. And I'll say that my biggest regret on all this is I never got to meet him to thank him for that because I've seen the change in you since dating him. Mm -hmm. And it was, our relationship was all condensed essentially to his little apartment because it was all through 2020. So like we didn't even get to really do much in the world together. And he still had that profound of an effect on me that it has changed. I think COVID has had the effect for some people that it's allowed them to get to know each other better and get closer that way. Mm -hmm. And then there are also people that have gotten to know each other a little bit more and have decided like, Ooh, I didn't like you as much as I thought. Yeah. Well, and I feel, I worry about people in abusive households that are like stuck in them. But we'll come back to that. Um, So the saying, no one will love you until you love yourself is garbage. But I get why. Because once I had a relationship where boundaries were something I was allowed to have, much less clearly communicate and have respected, that changed everything. Sure. So just having a partner where I could come to him and be like, I really don't appreciate when you do this. I would really, it would be better for me if if we could modify this behavior, do this, blah, blah, blah. And he was receptive to it. It wasn't an argument. It wasn't a fight. It was a, I see what you're saying. I will modify that behavior regardless of what it was. And because we were able to have that kind of communication, we literally never had a fight. Well, when you were bringing this up to him, was the things that you were wanting reasonable or were they like way out of whack so i'll give an example he like i said died from liver failure because of an adulthood of drinking essentially sure and if you're in the tech industry please drink more water please drink more water but i think everyone should drink more water regardless oh yeah but like i've heard about the parties and whatnot and i just as a mom i need you to drink more water (laughs) <laughs> but because of his drinking, what would happen is he he was not a mean or a violent drunk by any means. What would happen is he would just be casually just drinking with his normal routine. And then middle of the night, I would get a phone call where he's crying and just needs extra, re- like extra love and reassurance. And I am all for that. 
words of affirmation are my love language. So that is not a problem for me at all. Right. However, at a certain point, because of COVID, isolating him so much and things shutting down and like his primary things for self-care were concerts and traveling international. And those are all taken away. And Was he, he an extrovert? I, yeah. Because I feel like COVID really hit extroverts a really lot hard. harder. Yep. As an introvert, it's like when they were like, okay, you got to stay home and work from home. I was like... I have been training for this my entire life. Yeah, Scar too. So. Scar and Paul are both like, I'm happy just being at home forever. And I'm like, I miss the dance floor so fucking much. I mean, I miss concerts. I miss being able to go out and do stuff like that. But yeah. No, he was very much life of the party, like to tell stories. Okay, yeah, yeah He yeah. was very much one of those people. So isolation was really fucking bad for him. And it got to the point that he would, at this point, I was opening at work. So I was getting up for work at like 230 in the morning and he would call me at like 11 p.m midnight and then need to talk to me for like an hour and a half two hours That's where, like rude because his drinking got him into such a bad loop brain that he like needed reassurance but mm-hmm. as, once he got to like a certain point i was arguing with his mental health at that point and it, it didn't do anything and so i yeah, had and hard. so i sat down and i was like i want to be there for you i want to be supportive i want to be helpful and give you that love when you need it however I work at 2.30 in the morning. I really need you to not call me at 11 p.m. when I should be sleeping and then demanding my attention for an hour and a half and, like, needing a lot of emotional output when I have to go to work in a couple hours. Like, I can't have that. Right. And he was like, I hear you loud and clear. I'm so sorry. I'll stop doing that. And then he stopped doing it. So that that's the whole thing is, like, I had a boundary But I knew I was in a relationship that it was okay to have that boundary for one. And that if I came to him and I was like, honey, I want to be there. I want to support you. I want to love you. But I also, I need this to take care of myself. I need more sleep. Which is totally legit. So he obviously felt safe enough to come to you Mm -hmm. with this and talk about whatever was rolling around in his head. Mm -hmm. For me, it's hard to talk. Because once I hit that thing, it shuts for me. Mm-hmm. it's like being locked in a room that has no door and no windows. Mm-hmm. Like I could have all the desire to talk to somebody about it, but it's just not going to happen because I basically shut down. And I actually have somebody that I can talk to about this stuff. Maybe not right at when it's happening and I'm kind of shut down. Mm-hmm. I do have somebody that I can go to and say like, I'm feeling this way and feel safe in that. But in this case, he obviously felt safe to talk to you about that, mm-hmm. which was excellent. But he's doing it at like midnight when you got to get up in a few hours. Mm-hmm. So you gave the boundary to look, I, I need sleep. I'm going to guess he still needed to be able to vent that. Mm-hmm. So how did you work that to where he was able to have that need met and you were able to have your need met? So while I could, because right after my birthday, he went into treatment. And so he wasn't as easily accessible via phone call or text or anything like that. So pretty much all of 2021, I've had extremely limited contact with him. That was before he went into treatment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I set that boundary conversation, I pointed out because he's told me stories of people in his life who have always had his back. He's always felt safe and comfortable with them. And a lot of them do live in different time zones also. So the system that we ended up coming up with was every night before bed, whether one of us, like it was usually me going to bed early because, you know, work at 2.30 in the morning. Sure. Um, I, we would have a good night call where we would just talk to each other on the phone for however long you wanted. Because at this point, it's like, I'm, I'm going to go to bed after this so we can talk as long as you like. Gotcha. Kind okay. of thing. And so he and I would just be able to connect that way. But then he also, I reminded him all the time that he had those other people in his, his support network. And so he would 
reach out to them because with the different time zones, like he has a friend named Fred that lives in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And so they're eight hours ahead of us. Right. So the middle of the night for us is Fred's getting up for the morning. Sure. So. Okay. So because of that eight hour difference, he's in that horrible zone at midnight. He reaches out to Fred because Fred's getting up. Yeah. So Fred's already gotten sleep. Mm-hmm. He's getting his needs met by just being able to talk and get it out. Yep. And then you're getting your needs met by sleep. Sleep. And then we connected before I went to bed so that he already got that extra encouragement and affirmation and love for me first. That's pretty good. Did you find that that helped by switching it to that, talking to him before going to bed? I thought so. But also we need to take into consideration that the drinking was the biggest problem with his emotional lows. Because generally speaking, like, yes, he has depression and things like that. But Well, alcohol is a depressant. Yeah, like that is naturally going to make it worse. So the problem that we were really having is that he was by himself and just drinking all day. And so progressively as the day went on, he was getting more and more drunk by himself thinking more and more negatively. And so I feel like if he wasn't drinking, he might not have needed as much support as intensely. As somebody who used to be an alcoholic or is a recovering alcoholic, depending on how you look at it, I can tell you that, yeah, the alcohol definitely does not help depression. So like that's just an example of a boundary that I set. But because I felt safe in our relationship to do it, I was able to set that boundary He honored it. We were able to modify our relationship and go forward with a healthier mindset, right? But if you yourself don't, this is where the whole, if you don't love yourself, no one will love you. If you don't love yourself enough to demand those boundaries, you're going to allow bullshit treatment. So it's not, it's not that if you don't love yourself, no one will love you. It's that if you don't love yourself enough to have boundaries, limitations, expectations, like if you're not aware of your needs and yourself enough to be aware of, like this is something I'll never tolerate in a relationship. This is what I am looking for. This is what makes me the happiest. Like if you don't already know that information, you're just going to slap whatever band-aid you can find. And then it might not be the band-aid you need. And part of the problem with that is something called new relationship energy. Mm. We all have that. You first meet somebody, everything seems to be You're going good. you your life together and you've only been talking for a week. I used to do that. Mm-hmm. Then I grew up. That's something I'm doing <laughs> right now. So when you're doing that, you're on your best behavior. You're not displaying any of the ridiculous crap. So you don't see who that person might actually be for reals mm-hmm. until, you know, eventually you've gone along and then now it's a little less new and you feel a little bit more comfortable being around that person that you can just kind of Mm -hmm. let the person see other sides of you and sometimes that's just a matter of just kind of relaxing and then maybe you're joking a little bit more than you normally would or if you're a narcissistic piece of shit the mask falls off and you reveal yourself to be a fucking demon yeah i mean if only you had somebody in your life to tell you not to do that if only really Is that where we're going to go with it? (laughs) You did warn me, but to be fair, she did not come across as narcissistic. And it's funny because my reason for, like, when you told me, I was like, her of all people? And you're like, what's wrong with her? I'm like, she's so stupid. Like, how do you, how do you have conversations with her? She's so fucking stupid. Turns out she's a narcissist and just very good at playing dumb. Yes. So for people listening, like, so good, so good. I was like, she's too stupid for you. I didn't do a lot of dating when you were younger, mostly because like I kept that away. Whatever I was doing, I kept that separate from you because kids form a bond 
mm. way quicker. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to have a parade of people in and out. And then you're like, oh, hey, and you form a bond with that person. And then that person's out. And then you're yep. just like, oh, where'd that person go? Because that could be damaging. I'm um, selective with who I introduced to Scar, too. Like, she, yeah, never, you have to she be. never officially met Gus. Mm -hmm. um, they talked on the phone and on video chat a couple times. And he sent her... A bunch of books because she's bored out of her mind in school right but like even she hasn't met him we were together a year and a half well i feel like part of that's also the covid covid 100 yeah but no what i'm saying is in that case like yes she was very good at hiding who she was and one of the big things about narcissists is they will pretend to be what you need Mm -hmm. So when I was, I thought that the person I was getting with was somebody who mirrored my values, mm -hmm. believed the things that I believed in. I really thought like, okay, this is somebody who's really compatible. And very rarely do you get lucky and have the narcissist just pull down the mask and go, psych. <laughs> you know, it, it's very gradual. Paul's ex-wife essentially did that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't figure out she was narcissist until the end of our relationship. So I didn't even put two and two together until I was looking up something for divorce. And, you know, on the Internet at the bottom of the page is always like additional articles mm -hmm. that may or may not have anything to do with what you were just reading. And there was something about narcissism. And I don't remember what it was. I was like, oh, I'll click on it. And I read it and it was a checklist. It's like, did this person know my my wife at the time? Because like she checked off every single box on it. And then that's how I figured it out. But I wonder how much of that could have been avoided if you had had self-respect enough to be acknowledgeable of like what you needed, what to look out for, what to avoid. If you had a boundary setting conversation and it didn't go well, that would have told you that you needed to end the relationship. But if okay. it would turn into a fight, would you have left or would you have stayed because you didn't think you deserved any better? It's the latter. And exactly. I'll tell you why, because all my life, even when I was a child and would try to set boundaries, I would be made to feel so, like I was so, mm -hmm. being selfish. Yeah. Like, oh, you're not. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. I have a PhD in being <laughs> gaslit. I don't gaslit that's people. That's not funny, but, but like I get the sense. No, <laughs> I can laugh at it now. But yeah, no, I mean, I was gaslit by my mom. I, and that's part of addressing your childhood trauma is that you have to reparent yourself and you mm -hmm. have to unlearn that mindset. Yes. And that is what happened with Gus is where I had that same mindset where like asking for things was never okay. Clearly directly communicating what I wanted or needed never went well. So I didn't know how to really do that until I was with a partner that gave me that safety in that environment. But I could have very easily missed him and who knows where I'd still be right now. So the point I ultimately wanted to make with this episode was if you look at all of the relationships you've had so far and none of them were worth the pain that like none of the love and the good memories were worth the pain that you had, it might not have been the love that you're really looking for yet. Right. And you're going to have a hard time experiencing that love until you love yourself enough to be aware of your boundaries and your needs and make sure that you have space to communicate them. And if you're with a partner who does not allow you to communicate with that, fucking leave. No, agree. If you're in a relationship where this person doesn't make you feel safe and you can't come and talk to them about anything that's like deep and core to you, fucking leave. I absolutely agree with that. When I got divorced from my narcissistic ex, I was like in a really bad place. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I to be know. honest, the only thing that kept me alive during that time frame was Vader yeah. because I had made a promise to 
take care of him his entire life. Mm-hmm. And there were times I was thinking, like, who can I? And even find that home? was almost a challenge too, because she stole him. Yeah, like kidnapped him from you. She did. So even for like for how long was it? Like two months? Like about two three months. Yeah. That you had no idea where your service dog was. Yeah, I mean, well, to be fair, he was not a service dog at the point because he, he was, was still a puppy. Though, right? Yeah, he was training. Although it was hard initially because she kept undermining. Mm-hmm. But that's because, like, the whole getting the service dog was to make her look good. Oh, I don't know what's wrong with my husband, but we're getting him a service dog to help. And people would be like, oh, you're such a good wife, whatever. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, she was... Actively gaslighting. Yeah, and she's undermining. So I, I would be teaching him how to sit, for example. And instead of doing exactly what I him teaching him to do she would just teach him different things like one day it would be sit and she'd flap her hand and then another day it'd be sit like she was sign language it it was never consistent and the thing with training not to get too far off but in training consistency dogs is important in any consistency way. is important right if you tell them sit and you flap your hand like a bird and then the next day you're like let's have a tea party old <laughs> chap and then you're acting like you're doing sign language the dog doesn't know what you're doing like what they don't get it <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, she was definitely undermining it to keep it from being an actual service dog. And you never left. You stayed in that bullshit relationship for so long because you didn't think you deserved better. And a lot of people, I myself included, have reached moments in our lives where we think to ourselves, it's better to be miserable with this person I know than to risk being alone forever. I'm going to say. I don't know why being alone is so bad. Yeah, no. I'm going to say not really on this one. In previous relationships, absolutely. In this one, she physically assaulted me so bad in October of 2015 that I was trying to figure out a way to how I was going to get divorced, where I was going to go. And then we just kind of... proud of you for that. Yeah, well, (laughs) I ended up staying like an additional year. But the thing with abuse is that very rarely do you get lucky and get the abuse up front. Yeah. Part of what narcissists do... Air quotes on lucky. Yeah, for sure. Part of what narcissists do is called love bombing. They Mm -hmm. make you feel really, really loved, like you're really valued. And that's what she did. So like the first year was just, there was like some, there was some arguments that went down that looking back clearly were red flags, Mm -hmm. but I'm dumb sometimes. No, you didn't think you deserved better. So you're like, this is just how love is because that's the expectation you'd had. Well, I thought it was just two people learning to live together and you're going to have those things. But abuse is usually very... Subtle. Subtle. Yeah. By the time I realized like what a horrible situation I was in, it took a much more physically violent altercation. Mm -hmm. And by altercation, I mean, she was being violent to me. I was trying not to do anything because, you know, justice system and men against women. Yes. And, and yes, I realized that there are women who get unfairly arrested for domestic violence because the guy claims it or whatever. But more often than not, it's men that get nailed for this. And she was very good about doing things like grabbing my car keys and my wallet to keep me from going. And she would insert herself between me and the door. I could never leave. And the only way I'd be able to leave is if I physically grabbed her and moved her. Mm -hmm. But I knew what that would end up because I knew the kind of person she was. She would have called the cops and claimed I beat her or something. And then I'd be going to jail. And it's like, I'm not going to jail for this person. exactly that. You said... I thought these were just things of living together. Yeah, initially. Paul and I have been together almost seven years. We have had maybe two 
big fights. One of them was about a hypothetical situation that we've literally never had to worry about. It was more of a, what would you do in this situation? And I didn't like his answer and he didn't like mine. <laughs> and it has literally uh, never come up. It's never, never been a entrapment. thing. Entrapment. But that was like our big fight. But in that situation, normally, like I'll use you, for example, when we got in a big fight, there was yelling. It was loud. It was a lot of energy. When Paul and I got in this fight, he looked at me and he said, Rhiannon, I need space. I need you to leave this house. I need you to go somewhere else and just give me some space to decompress. So I went and hung out at my mom's house for like three hours and just like watched TV. And then I texted him and I was like, is it okay for me to come home? Like, can we talk about this? I came home. We had a conversation about it. Have not had a problem since. And I feel like that's how it should be. But that's not how it is. It's like... But in most cases, it's like it's that's because you're settling with someone that is not compatible because you're not aware of your own personal needs. You're not setting and maintaining your own boundaries and you're not willing to walk away if it's not enough. The thing is, is that when I left the relationship, now I figured we got a divorce and I figured out she was narcissist. But there was still a thing that was like, well, what's wrong with me that I didn't? catch that trauma and trauma plays a part of it another part is being empathic people who are empathic are huge targets for narcissists yeah Yeah. unfortunately i've learned and i did go through therapy and trying to figure out and put all this stuff and i learned a lot and i won't really go into the the details but to tie it into you have to love yourself before you can before anyone else can love you Mm -hmm. i agree that just that on its face is just horribly damaging yeah but You do have to, it's not necessarily a love yourself. You do have to do the work to get yourself to a point to recognize the signs, Mm -hmm. to be able to communicate, I'm I'm having this issue. Mm -hmm. If I'm in the middle of a uh, suicidal ideation episode, which uh, a week or two ago, I went through almost an entire week of that. I feel bad that I I don't feel like I was as supportive through that as I could have been. I just didn't know. You didn't know because I didn't tell you. Because again, like I shut down and I just... You know, know, Gus had this system where he said that he had a two to three business days processing time. Mm -hmm. So like he told me that when we first got together and I saw it in motion where he went to therapy one day and they addressed something really big for him. And like mother issues are definitely a big thing for him. And in that session, after it was over, he was like talking to me about it and telling me like, yeah, this is what we discussed, blah, 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 blah. And then the next day after work, I called him to check in and he's like, yeah, so therapy finally hit me. And I am like, I'm, I'm just adjusting to everything. And that's then, how it be sometimes. Yeah. But the fact that he recognized himself that it takes time for news to land mm-hmm. and he actively communicated that to me very early in our relationship, it gave me the heads up so that all of the sudden this like drop that I wasn't anticipating, I know exactly what's going on and I know how to help because right. he recognized this was his need. This was because of whatever issue and how I can react. Right. So he's doing exactly like the work that you were just talking about. But I've had other partners where they don't know shit about themselves. So when I'm like, okay, so in a panic attack, what can I do for you? Oh, I don't know. Okay, well, I also don't know. Like, I'm not you. Right. I, I'm very much a person that like, if I'm having an anxiety attack, just giving me like a gigantic hug. Don't say anything to me. Don't ask me any questions. Just hug me and like hold me there for a solid minute and I'll be fine. 
Mm-hmm. But I know other people are very much a talk me through it, distract me from the process, don't touch me. So like if you don't know what kind of person you are for like what kind of needs you have and you don't articulate those, then of course people aren't going to be there to support you the way that you need because they don't know. Right. And you have to know those things. So that's one of the things for me, like doing the work. That's where I learned that boundaries was something that I never had learned to have. Mm -hmm. So then from that point, it was doing the work. And I'll tell you, when you're just learning how to set boundaries, Mm -hmm. that is a scary thing to set a boundary with someone and just kind of inwardly, oh my God, what are they going to do? But I had to get to a point where like, okay, this is the boundary and I'm not going to, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to allow that to be crossed. And if they decide to just push past it in disregard, that's my sign. Yep. Okay, we're done. 100%. Because if they don't respect you enough to respect your boundary, then that right there tells you that they're not worth the time and energy you're investing. Correct. But so I that's also, where I feel that loving yourself is not so much loving yourself because there are days I don't love myself. Same. Like that week where I had that suicidal ideation, it was just going through my head like I have no worth. Nobody's going to find anything worthy of me. Now, I know that's the ideation because I've done the work to recognize when it's a, mm-hmm. an ideation episode the and not. The brain, yeah. Right. And I do have tools to help deal with it that don't always work, though. Yeah. So in this case, the thing that saved me from this week-long suicidal ideation loop was actually a full-on PTSD episode, which stopped the suicidal ideation, but now I've got to deal with <laughs> this. You don't even love how that works. Yeah. Actually, so two things. Um, I have a meme I'm going to bring up next, but... A piece of advice I found from some therapist on TikTok was that when you are establishing your boundaries, you, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. So generally people think of a boundary as in like, I will accept all the behavior up until this point and then after this point, it'll be a discussion and we have to talk and establish whatever. When you're establishing your boundaries, those are not the hard limits like I will break up with you if you do this. This is a I would feel really uncomfortable if you do this. So this is a, a behavior that we should discuss. Right. So your boundaries are not something that is like a make or break. It's a how to feel comfortable and loved in the dynamic that you're in. For example, we'll use like domestic violence, right? Some people can have the hard boundary of like, I don't want you to leave any bruises or anything on me. For me personally, if you touch me in any capacity that I am not consenting of in that moment, that is a boundary that yes. we would have to address. It doesn't have to get to this really shitty point before I'm finally like, oh, you're not respecting my boundaries. Agreed. So, like, I know that in the, the beginning of the process of setting boundaries, you don't feel like you deserve them. And so you, you're like, I'll stretch these boundaries as far as I can. no. They're there to make you feel comfortable and safe. Yes. And if your partner can't do that, then they're not the partner for you. And we will definitely devote a whole episode to setting boundaries because this is a very important thing. And I think there's a lot of people out there that don't know what it means to set boundaries mm-hmm. or know about setting boundaries, but have been taught that it's wrong to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, that if you love someone, you won't have those boundaries or whatever, because we're getting towards the end of this. <laughs> and uh, I think we should wrap it up. But we will definitely do a future episode. Mm -hmm. all about boundaries and setting them and why it's important. We should. So since you mentioned what snapped you out of your ideation episode a couple weeks ago, I was starting the spiral of negative thinking and like kind of going down that loop. I remembered this meme that said something on the lines of like, coffee would be cold by the time it got to a giraffe's neck, but do you ever think of anyone but yourself? 
no. And that, <laughs> that meme like snapped me right out of it because I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? If a, if a giraffe did drink hot coffee, it would be like room temperature by the time it got to its stomach. But if you drank iced coffee, it would still be like room temperature by the time it got to the stomach. Sure. So no matter what, this giraffe is just having a terrible time with coffee. And here I am feeling I think that's sad. That's why they don't drink coffee. And- <laughs> I know, but like this crazy meme is what snapped me out of a depressive episode. Because I'm like, you know what? I got to think of the giraffe. I'm just thinking the giraffes have set their boundary. We're not going to deal with coffee. I mean, that's fair. I I respect that. I respect that. (laughs) (laughs) So the main takeaways from today's episode, I guess, make sure you hug people that you care about if they're comfortable with it. Set personal boundaries because you deserve them. And if a partner you're with does not respect them, then they're not the one for you. Other people will love you before you love yourself, but it does, it still helps. All right. And also, giraffes don't drink coffee because it's just a waste of time. They've set the boundary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that brings this episode to a close. So have a week. Bye. This has been another episode of Tricky Fish. If you enjoyed what you heard and want more of it, you can follow us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Please leave us a review as that really helps us out. You can find us at trickyfishpodcast.com as well as on Twitter at trickyfishpod.